Joe. And I'm Katie. And we are Genre, genre fans. fans. Each week, as a companion to our Genre Deep Dive video essay project on YouTube, we'll be discussing how well we think a specific film we've watched works as a member of its genre. Today, the genre is Giallo, and the movie is Deep Red. As a warning, spoilers abound, so if you haven't watched the movie, please do. We watched this one on Amazon Prime. To kick it off, Giallo films are sleazy, lurid thrillers from Italy in the 60s and 70s, but mostly concentrated in the early 70s. There are some major and minor elements elements that make a film a giallo. They are all murder mysteries with a twisty plot with red herrings, a masked and gloved killer, sometimes with killer POV. The killings themselves are gory and typically sexualized, and the mid-century trappings include groovy scores, striking architecture, and interiors and amazing fashion. Some titles typifying the genre would be Dario Argento's Cat O9 Tales from 1971 and Mario Bava's Five Dolls for an August Moon from 1970. Given all these elements, we'll be assessing how well a film represents the giallo subgenre. A film can be definitely a giallo if it has most elements and overall the right vibe. It can be kinda a giallo if it has some elements but is missing major ones or has elements of another genre that eclipse its giallo-ness. Movie can also be not really a giallo where it's potentially adjacent but lacks enough elements to typify the genre well enough for us. These are all just our opinions. So Katie, tell me about Deep Red. Deep Red is a 1975 Dario Argento film. In terms of the twisty plot, at a conference on parapsychology, special guest psychic Helga Ullman senses something murderously evil in the audience. She notes sharp stabbing sensations accompanied by a children's song. Later, the killer interrupts Helga at her apartment when she is in the middle of recording the disturbing sensations she felt at the conference. Meanwhile, British jazz pianist Mark Marcus Daly is returning home when he runs into his drunk friend, fellow musician Carlo. After seeing Carlo after work, Marcus witnesses Helga being murdered in the window, her figure obscuring the killers. He rushes to Helga's apartment only to find her slashed up corpse and sees the killer wearing a brown leather trench coat and fedora fleeing the scene on the street below. Marcus cannot shake the feeling that some physical detail is off about the crime scene as the cops interview him. Plucky reporter Gianna arrives and snaps Marcus's picture. The next day at Helga's funeral, Marcus chides Gianna for putting his picture on the front page. He resolves to solve the murder. His first task is to question his friend Carlo, but he ends up speaking to Carlo's mother, Martha, an eccentric former actress. Marcus tracks Carlo down at his lover's apartment, discovering that Carlo is in a queer relationship with Massimo. Later, the killer breaks into Marcus's apartment as he composes music to warn Marcus they will kill him as children's music plays on a tape recorder. Marcus buys a record of the children's song that meets up with Giordani, a psychiatrist from the parapsychology conference. Giordani recognizes the tune and tells Marcus about a book of folklore which Marcus hunts down at the library. He rips a picture out of the volume from a chapter entitled The House of the Screaming Child. The killer murders the author of the book, Amanda Rigetti, in her country home before Marcus arrives to question her. Marcus is nonetheless able to locate the house of the screaming child and uncovers a 
grotesque painting that has been plastered over, depicting a child's drawing of a murder scene. The killer murders Giordani, who had discovered a crucial clue at Amanda Rigetti's house. Marcus returns to the house of the screaming child, breaks through a walled-up window, and is knocked out the moment he sees a ratted corpse in a chair. Gianna awakens him outside the house, now burning, and the two return to the property superintendent. Marcus sees a gruesome child's drawing in the same style as the painting from the house and questions the superintendent's diabolical little daughter, who admits she obtained the drawing from the archives of her school. Marcus and Gianna break into the school and find that the drawings were made by Carlo. Meanwhile, Carlo has already shown up and stabbed Gianna as she telephones the police. He manages to escape the police only to get caught on the cable of a tow truck and is brutally killed as he is dragged through the night streets. Later, Marcus recalls that he was talking to Carlo at the time of Helga's murder, meaning that he could not have been the killer. Marcus returns to Helga's apartment and realizes the missing element of the scene that had been bothering him before. One of the paintings in the hallway had actually been a mirror, and in it, he had briefly glimpsed the killer's face. Martha appears and relates the tragic backstory of how Carlo witnessed the murder of his father. One Christmas morning when Carlo was a child, his father threatened to recommit her to an insane asylum, so Martha stabbed Carlo's father to death. Marcus and Martha struggle as she attacks him with a cleaver, only to get her necklace caught in the gate of the elevator lift. Marcus pushes the lift button, decapitating her, and then looks at his horrified reflection in the pool of blood Martha left behind as the credits roll. So, Joe, what do you think makes this a giallo? Well, as we've just heard from that plot description, it is an extremely twisty plot with a lot of red herrings, consistent with a lot of the gialli we've already discussed, and I'm sure with ones we'll discuss going forward. Queerness is the red herring here. Carlos is the presumed main subject because he is paired with Massimo. You automatically assume that he is the killer. The killer is either him or his lover. We see Massimo wearing dark thick eyeliner that's similar to the killers which we see in these close-ups there's a gloved killer and the glove is very close up with a zipper on top we have a killer pov we assume based on the fact that there's these little insert scenes with close-ups of childhood toys like marbles and dolls and stuff like that we assume that the killer has past childhood trauma there's this music that's playing there's that painting that marcus uncovers and the house of the screaming child where it's definitely in a child scrawl of this murder scene if anything says trauma it's a name like the house of the screaming child there's that scene that cuts the credits in half you know where you see the kid with the shoes and the bloody knife drop that children's song is playing <laughs> There's the doll and the noose in Amanda Rigetti's house, which clearly signifies a demonic killer who's stuck in childhood or arrested by some childhood drama. It really hits the main giallo genre distinctions and elements up front. What are some things that you noticed? I agree with your points. I also think the deaths themselves are pretty gory. Even when we get Amanda Rigetti's death where she's burned, they use a prosthetic on her face that makes it 
doesn't look very blistered and unsavory. So that seems like a kind of gore. The initial psychic being killed. That's a really spectacularly bloody killing. Even the killer herself leads this pool of blood. That's the credits is over a pool of blood from a decapitation. So a lot of the gore notes are kind of hit there. There's the protagonist. I think this is the first film we've talked about where the protagonist has really been a citizen detective. You know, he witnessed a murder. He knew there was something important that he couldn't quite remember about the crime scene. And he spent this movie figuring it out and gaining allies and getting more information and discovering more to eventually solve the case. He's also played by David Hemmings and he's British in Italy. So I think that it's not common with all giallo, but a stranger in a strange land, like a foreigner abroad. That's something that we see happening. The deaths, the protagonist, the score also seems very giallo to me. Yeah, it's Goblin. The production of the movie coincides with the creation of Goblin. Dario Argento put that band together for this movie. And it works. It's tonally very different songs. They're all really startling and avant-garde. There's a lot of these little electronic alarming noises the children's song playing throughout as well but a lot of the soundtrack is just very groovy deep bass riffs and stuff and goblin being involved so if this was the genesis of goblin then that's a very giallo and specifically an argento giallo are there any other elements that stand out to you that make deep red a giallo i kind of touched on it a little bit in the red herring category but there's the vilification of queerness it's an interesting film because marcus himself is codified as queer in the American version at least when we first see him and he's walking back to his apartment Carlo is lying drunkenly by the statue and him and Carlo are wearing these extremely similar black and white outfits they're inverse outfits where Marcus he has the white pants and jacket and the black shirt and Carlo has the black pants and jacket and the white shirt so there's this twinning that's going on where they're both codified as queer after we find out that he is queer there's this weird lack of judgment from marcus which you i feel like in other 70s movies he might have been like ah fuck you you're abhorrent and whatever but that's not here especially italy in that era there was a culture of machismo where i would have expected a more violent reaction plus society is ruled by the catholic church and all that and marriage is the big thing but that judgment isn't there but at the end of the day carlo dies an extremely violent death which is very in keeping with the homophobia of film codification. Queer characters die violent deaths. It's not just dying. Carlo gets dragged down the street for a really long scene. He gets hate crimed. Dragging a queer person behind a truck is literally in the States, Matthew Shepard. It is a really homophobic way to kill off a gay character. And then being not decapitated, but his skull getting crushed by a car. Just facially obliterated, not being a person anymore, just being a corpse. We saw this vilification of queer in pretty much everything that we've discussed thus far, maybe save Blood and Black Lace. There was no queerness there. We've seen it in Your Vice's Locked Room. We've seen it in A Lizard in a Woman's Skin. It's very common with Giallo films that there's this vilification of queerness and the kind of typical outcomes of queer characters. Katie, what are some minor Giallo elements that are in this film but aren't necessarily a blanket statement for all of the canon of Gialli? I think I mentioned our protagonist, the citizen detective, being a foreigner, English in Italy. So that's a minor one. He's also a composer. 
Wrestler, which is super, super minor because I can only think of one other movie, which is Lamberto Bava, Mario Bava's son. He made a movie called A Blade in the Dark much later. I think it was 83, maybe. And the main protagonist was composing a score for a horror movie. So very meta. That stood out to me a little bit. There's also in a previous episode I mentioned the killer cutting the lights we see that in Deep Red in the killing of Amanda Rigetti the killer kills the lights before to menace and terrorize her prior to actually killing her and then I think there's also the killer herself has that children's song which we talked a little bit about sometimes in the scores particularly I think with Argento because he was so involved in composing sometimes the killer has the theme and in Deep Red, the children's song really functioned as the killer's theme. Once the music changed to the voices of children singing, you knew you were going to see some shit. You knew you were going to see a murder or an attempted murder. Did you notice anything missing or unexpected? The killer doesn't have a mask, so that's going against the initial Bava blood and black lace thing of trench coat, mask, gloves. This time the character has a hat and a trench coat and gloves, but no mask. Unless you consider that hardcore eyeliner as a form of masking and concealment, which that's a stretch. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. In my goth phase, people could still tell I was me. Another thing I noticed was it's an extremely representative giallo, but it doesn't have this sleazy grindhouse sex aspect of a lot of what we would consider giallo. That's the missing element for me too. Especially for Argento who in later movies was just like here's my daughter's perfect tits. Look at them. It's really surprising because this was 1975. There's not the same constraints that Mario Baba was dealing with in 64. So the fact that there isn't a lot of rolling around face smashing sex is really interesting. And the way the killings, I think there's some sadism there because Martha does torture people She does wage a little psychological warfare before actually murdering her victims, but none of it's really sexualized to the degree that I would expect from a giallo and specifically from Argento, just based on the rest of his filmography. It has a lot of linkages to The Bird with the Crystal Plumage because in that film, there's another female killer. The killings aren't super sexualized. It's kind of an interesting return to that. Also, Four Flies and Grey Velvet, Mimsy Farmer was the killer in that but she had an accomplice for a part of it who was making these killings seemingly sexual in nature if i'm recalling correctly it's pretty interesting though that there was a general lack of sexualized killing was it a jello i would have to say definitely I mean, no surprise here. Let's be honest. It's the first movie that you think of when you think of the genre. It has the elements of giallo that Dario Argento popularized and made into the giallo elements, which he had been kind of doing since 1970. Ironically, it's weird because this is the film that he did before Suspiria, which was his foray into supernatural horror. It still has a few giallo vibes, but it's interesting that this is the sum 
summit of his giallo and it's also the beginning of the decline of the giallo as a whole this is in 1975 in socio-historical terms it starts to get a little tired and gialli start to trickle out in the film market more horror zombie things take over it's pretty interesting it's so representative but it's also kind of at the last stage of giallo it has all the elements one possible thing that detracts from it being a pure genre thing i think is just the idiosyncratic auteur things that are specific to dario argento that don't necessarily fit into any genre molds for example in his autobiography he talks about being superstitious about being extremely afraid of being killed in a home invasion he has this whole fear of sleepwalking and throwing himself out of a window and basically committing suicide in like a fugue state so he talks about removing his wardrobe to block the window of his room so he can't walk out and commit suicide in his sleep so there's a lot of things that you see showing up in this for example when marcus is in his apartment and the killer shows up and it's one of the creepiest scenes ever on purpose you can see argento going in there because marcus is all alone he's barring himself in the room the killer's voice is so creepy there's that child song playing on the tape recorder it's a super unnerving scene the killer is really creepy in this movie the whispering too when it was i think we're meant to assume it's carlo in the school when gianna is going to call the police even but whispers to her and it's just so i get goosebumps every time it's so creepy sounding there's a lot of things with dario argento a lot of his fear really show up in a visceral way in his movies and that is a big part of his auteur status. There's a little bit of this isn't exactly like a pure grindhouse thing. It's super representative of Giallo. It has all the things that we associate with Giallo when we think of Giallo, but it has this super specific personal edge to it. Is that why he's the Italian Hitchcock? Because he also made movies to deal with his own neuroses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've even read descriptions of him as the garlic Hitchcock, which seems weirdly racial. Uh, Yeah. Like Hitchcock, he just carries his obsessions with him wherever he goes and he can't help but make movies with that vision in mind or with that monkey on his back whispering into his ear. Well, Katie, what's your assessment or what's your final judgment? Definitely. Deeper is definitely a giallo I think it's one of the best giallo films ever made I do love that trick where he shows you the killer and then you spent the entire time with this citizen detective being completely confused by who the killer actually is so it's such a neat trick and I actually am really surprised that it's missing those major elements nudity and sexualized killings those aspects it results in not feeling as sleazy as other jolly it's such a fun film to watch you can definitely see all of those argento touches it's definitely a giallo I would put this early in your Jallo journey. I concur. I would put this up front. I would pair this with Blood and Black Lace as early Jallo, later Jallo. Skip the actual later Argento Jallo because he stays at the party way too long after everybody else is gone to different genres. But this one's outstanding. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think this is the first Jallo I ever watched, actually. And it kind of is the thing that ruined me for all other Gialli. To be clear, 
it's not that I think the other Gialli are bad or whatever. If they don't have these elements, then they just don't feel like Gialli to me. When we were discussing a lizard in a woman's skin on the last episode, it's like it doesn't have this masked killer who has the eyeliner and the gloves and who's killing people in these brutal ways. Working out past trauma via murder. Yeah, exactly. It ruins you for all other Giallo. And I would say you should watch it first, even before Blood and Black Lace. The first Giallo I watched was Five Dolls for an August Moon. So I'm a Bava fanboy. I think the first Giallo you watch informs your biases for the rest. Yeah. And Five Dolls for an August Moon. That's a great one. I would recommend watching that one earlier, even though it doesn't necessarily have the masked gloved killer, but it has this Agatha Christie and then there were none, a bunch of people just getting killed off one by one. Paranoid environment. Yeah. Isolated, closed circle on an island. It's really fun. And it has a lot of period touches that are great. Anyways, we recommend. Thank you so much for joining us. To be notified of new Genre Fans episodes, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and toss us a rating if you like what you hear. To continue the discussion with us, visit us on Instagram or Twitter or in the comments section of our Genre Deep Dive videos posted bi-weekly to our YouTube channel, all links in the description of this episode. We'll see you next week to continue the Giallo discussion with What Have You Done to Solange?